Hello, is Andy? Hello, is this Andrew Lawrence? Yes, sir. This is Jay Michaels. If I'm on the line, you're on the air. Ah, oh, hello. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing great. Just hanging out. <laughs> well, it sounds like you're having a wonderful time with uh, with our current state of affairs. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I don't actually mind it because I stay pretty freaking busy here in Atlanta. So uh, this is kind of like my extra Christmas vacation. We should all have. We should all have your outlook. I think. I think this would would be a much easier sojourn then. Oh, um, I'm a nerdy hobbyist, so I. I can find ways to busy myself all the time if I'm not working. <laughs> well, I, I think what you—I think you've turned uh, your one of your nerdy hobbies into a, a brilliant career, as as oh, we're connecting thanks to <laughs> thanks to your film on Terror TV. And when I looked you up, there you are, all over the place in all these amazing fantasy films, uh, uh, doing doing different technical aspects of it. So I, I'm speaking to a celebrity. I'm actually thrilled. No. <laughs> In no way, I am yet not yet a mouth breather, as us lowly below the liners tend to consider it. No, uh, I mean it's one of those things, you know. Um, working on a lot of independent stuff, and then got lucky with a chance to come out to Atlanta uh, after I after we did our suburbanite film. And uh, I'm one of those guys that's never really. I've always felt like hard work pays off more so than luck. You know, I feel like you make your own luck, I guess, would be a better way of looking at it. And so, even the whole time, you know, just finishing off making the film, doing the, the post-audio and stuff, I had to just dig in and take every job I could get, because our funding was basically a car wreck. I was in a car wreck, got paid off, they they paid for my car, and then they paid me off, and that's what I used to make the movie. And then spent a year taking every possible job to get funding, because I, I don't know anybody. I grew up overseas, so I don't know people in the U.S. outside of the film people. You know, I've, I've kind of created my own environment of friends and such. And so, I mean, I took every independent film I could get, every commercial, as long as it was more than 150 bucks a day, I was taking it, you know, whether it was grip work or key grip work or gaffer or electric. And uh, a buddy of mine invited me out maybe just after we finished Suburbanite, and I came out to Atlanta and did Fast and Furious 7, uh, <laughs> second unit, and it blew my mind. Because, like, I've been on bigger TV shows in Texas and a couple of movies that were, you know, like 10, 15 mil. But Fast and Furious 7, I mean, that's like only eating church's chicken for, like, years and years. And then all of a sudden you're getting, like, a turducken from, like, an amazing chef that smoked that thing for, like, a week. <laughs> you know, it was like, it was so eye-opening that... That it, I was just like, okay, just being just being a, a second unit stunt guy for six months here in Atlanta, I was like, okay, I have a lot to learn about the process and about all these other jobs that I've watched. Because I've done a couple short films, and Suburban Eye was really just a, I'm tired of saying I could do better with less. So, uh, here, friends, come help me. Let's do this thing. And uh, came out to Atlanta, met some cool people went back and started saving up to move out here. And then once I got out here, um, I had hired, because of the independent world, I worked in so many states and hired people from all over. There were a bunch of guys that had moved to Atlanta that had worked for me at one point or another as, as a low-budget gaffer. And they recommended me as a day player for shows here. So I ended up on Baby Driver almost immediately. It was about a month after I moved here. <laughs> and uh, it was it's this awesome gaffer. 
that has worked on so much stuff. And uh, somehow they liked me and they, they kept bringing me in and I ended up doing almost the entire movie with them. I missed like the first week. And then I ended up only like, you know, a handful of days that I didn't end up working. I wasn't full time, but uh, it just springboarded from there with, with this crew, you know, like uh, they didn't have something right away. So I bounced out and I was still doing independent stuff. And then I bounced out and went and did I Can Only Imagine as a gaffer with uh, a buddy of mine that's a DP and uh, hired a bunch of Oklahoma guys that I'd worked with on other independents. And that little $7 million Christian film made like $80 million in theater. Wow. So, like, that just kind of springboarded me back to here and then ended up on Godzilla and Ozark Season 1 and First Man. You're on Spider-Man also, yes? Yeah, I, I, a friend of mine, same thing, a guy that I had worked with and hired and, and had worked beside on some lower-budget stuff, was doing Spider-Man, and I wanted, to, I wanted to do a Marvel show. I wanted to see what that was like. So I did Fixtures, which was out of my comfort zone, which was primarily, you know, lights built into sets and stuff and mm -hmm. custom lights. Um, and for me, the whole time, I'm still, I'm still writing, uh, still working toward eventually trying to get out of being a below-the-line person, but I, I don't see a negative in, in working hard and obviously making a paycheck. And so I didn't really know where to go after Suburbanite because that was I had written Suburbanite for uh, a director friend of mine, and they had it for like three years, didn't make it, and it came back to me, the rights came back to me, and so I was like, you know... That that was kind of the thing, was everything happened right at the right time. I wrote the script, the rights came back to me, ended up in a huge car wreck working on a, on a TV show in Treeport, Louisiana. Enough people saw this person sideswipe me that I wasn't blamed for it. Um, bought a really junky car and got to do kind of my, and my wish had been to do that before I turned 30. I had kind of been telling myself for years, I got to make a movie before I'm 30. I got to direct a movie. You know, I had to do a bunch of other stuff on it because it was just friends that weren't working that were willing to come out for low to no pay. You know, I offered everybody low pay and they all turned it down. So I hired a commercial chef friend of ours to come out and he fed us super awesome. And that was, we all crashed at my buddy's house near where we were filming. So it was like a slumber party for 10 and a half days because that's all I had money for was food for 10 and a half days. If you if you can't if you can't if you can't give him a great salary, then give him a great meal and and uh, and and a, and a party to go to. Um, well, that was the thing, you know. Uh, independent world, we help each other out. So I'd helped everybody on short films. I'd hired some of these people. They'd hired me here and there. Usually not because I had kind of established myself in in Dallas as a as a pretty good independent film guy. But um, well, well, yeah. that's obvious by the fact that that. You, you, you seem to be getting so much work via word of mouth. Tell, tell everyone about Suburbanite. You've mentioned it many times. It, it's, it's, it, it's, it's obviously a, a great moment for you. Uh, let us know the plot. What's, what's it about? Okay, well, so it all sprung from a story that came up. Um, there was, I think it was a nurse that hit somebody on their way home. They got stuck through the windshield of the car. And drove home, and instead of taking them to get help, let them pass away in their garage. And hmm. so, um, I got hired to actually write the, that wasn't, um, it wasn't my original idea. I got hired to write it, but given freedom to go where I wanted with it. And the whole point was this, uh, director buddy of mine, Brad Keller, 
who's done a lot of stuff in, in Dallas and the surrounding area. Um, he wanted to shoot something in almost a single location, and I'm a fan of that. Uh, I love Robert Rodriguez early stuff, Tarantino early stuff. It's all based around that idea of dialogue and drama over uh, over multiple locations. So wrote, wrote the script for him. It took me about three weeks to do a rough draft. Sent it to him. They sent it back. Made some adjustments, rewrote some dialogue and stuff, and then that was the extent of the uh, the paid hiring. So gave it to him, and uh, I just kind of ran with it. I'm not. Um, I tend to lean toward thriller, action, drama. Uh, that's that's where I like to be, but I also have kind of a dark sense of humor. Um, so I just kind of I, I found as I was writing it, I needed to extend it out. So in in my version. Uh, a dad's on his way home from, from a late night at work and he hits a guy in the road and is just doesn't know what to do with the situation. So he puts the guy in the car thinking he's dead and he's going to just cover it up. And uh, then the guy wakes up and he doesn't know what to do with himself. So he keeps him in the garage. And um, I found that was pretty hard to, to get a, a full-fledged story out because I'm not a great script writer. I'm, I'm average. I'm the kind of guy that would rather write a rough draft than to let somebody on board and make it way better. Um, I, I have ideas. Writing is just not the strength. My strength is more the shooting and the lighting aspect of it uh, based on the career. And then uh, interaction with people. I'm, I'm, I'm very empathetic to people. Um, so working with the actors and a lot of the actors that came in were a lot of fun. But so back to the story. Um, to kind of add some more drama, I figured I needed some more of a story arc for the character that got hit. Um, so I just, for, for lack of a better way of putting it, I couldn't think of anything to make him less desirable as, you know, like I, it, the, the conflict I wanted was that you didn't like either of the main characters, but you kind of like them, oh, that's great. you know? And so, um, the goal was, Hey, here's a guy, he's down on his luck. His, his wife left him, you know, the love of his life. And maybe he's on its outs. And I was like, what's the worst thing I can imagine somebody doing? And that's hiring somebody to kill somebody for you. That's like, outside of killing somebody yourself, hiring somebody to kill somebody is like the second worst. And it's, yeah. you know, not the greatest storyline ever in terms of, you know, really how many people do we know? But then again, you know, every once in a while I get on and look at like, what's the crazy thing that happened this day in Florida last year? And it's like, man hires alligator farmer to kill his wife, you know, like weird stuff like that comes yep. up all the time. So I was like, okay, whatever. So from there, I just kind of springboarded. I brought in two buddies that had uh, recently done kind of a mafia movie, um, an independent mafia film, and they both, they actually played reverse roles. So Frank Mosley came in to play kind of a gangster, dirty cop type, and he was the smarter, darker one. And then Max Hartman came in to play the goofier, kind of dumb one. And they had just done a movie where they were opposites, where Max played the dark one and Frank played the dumb one. So they had just finished and then they had to play opposite. And so they thought that was interesting to like immediately be in that situation. But so uh, they're actually not going to kill the wife. They're going to try to frame the guy. They see him get hit by a car. So it just leads to kind of a three-way a three-way drama fest in this garage where they're they're all keeping things from each other and all trying to get a leg up off each other. And you end up liking 
characters or disliking characters all the way through. You know, I didn't want anybody to just like somebody the entire time. I don't like heroic characters are fun, but I like it when you like somebody and they do something you hate and then you like them again, but you still hate them. And to me, that just creates a much more dynamic story in the grand scheme of things. So, so your work seems to, yeah, go ahead. Your work seems to, to, to base itself. You're, you're not a monster guy. You know, your, yours isn't the fantasy. You, uh, uh, you base it on, on, on the real monsters out there. Uh, eh, well, give it, or take, give or take. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, um, I would say psychologically, I'm not a big jump out and scare horror fan. I'm not a blood and guts all over the wall horror fan. Now right. there, there have been some of those films that I love and this kind of got roped into it more as a thriller, but, um, some of the stuff that I like would be like strangers with Liv Tyler or, um, Last Exorcism, Exorcism of Emily Rose. Right. Uh, that's kind of more the horror I like. I like more where it's it's more the drama and the and the thriller aspect, less than the blood and the guts and the jump out. That, when I, I say monster, that's pretty much what I, I mean. I would be interested in monster. Um, oh, okay. Well, um, there you go. I, uh, I think that's great. and it, it leads me right into the big question these days, the, the elephant in the room. Well, we're in the room. It's more like the elephant outside of our rooms. Uh, <laughs> What's the horror film that we're living right now? I've, I've asked so many people within this genre because I've had so many people. I, I interview I- independent artists. And, and whenever I make the joke and I say, well, we're living in a horror movie right now, immediately everyone goes, yeah, yeah, we are. Uh, tell me about the horror movie that we're living in. What, what do you think is happening out there? Uh, you know, I am in not, I'm not in any way educated as a doctor or a politician, and I think that there is some overblown, but I also think there's there's a little bit of, I think there's a mix in the populace right now. I mean, I guess I would compare this to a zombie outbreak film, <laughs> where the zombies haven't yet gotten everywhere, but, but they're not, it doesn't seem to be biting as hard as we expected, like most of them are missing their teeth, you know? Um, I think there's a lot of people that don't care, and have put other people in danger. And then I think there's a lot of people that have hidden away and have kind of quarantined themselves. And I think it's more of a battle of the monster of the mind, of, uh. of not considering yourself individually. You know, this is, this is somebody seeing outside things happening, wondering if they can go out and help, or wondering if they're helping by staying inside and taking pot shots, maybe. Um, I don't honestly see it yet as, like, Based on on deaths right now, you know, I, I personally don't find it as frightening. I grew up in Central America, so uh, I didn't move to the U.S. until after I turned eighteen. I mm-hmm. was born in the U.S., but um, I've seen a lot rougher life than what we're living right now, and I think that a lot of people don't appreciate what we have. And maybe this is an opportunity for people to understand uh, how well we actually really have it. Because I mean. We can't really believe stuff coming from everywhere else. I mean, like, I grew up in an Indian village in Guatemala. I'm talking, like, less than 18,000 people. Uh-huh. They had to walk to a water fountain in the center of town to get their water. Some of them had light bulbs. That's where I grew up. There was a lot more danger and and death out there than, than what we struggle with here on a day-to-day basis. And so, for me, I, I guess, you know, I see it more like Nightmare Before Christmas. Like, what's this? What's this? There's Corona in the air. You know, like, 
there's there's something going on, and a lot of people have been dumb about it, and they have freaked out about it rather than being calm and recognizing that you do have control of your situation to a certain extent, and uh, and can be safe without endangering other people. And hopefully, people can kind of find those things that they didn't recognize. You know, getting to spend time with family. I don't I don't have any family. I'm still doing the film thing, so that doesn't lead to a lot of personal life. Um, but, but enjoying sitting out in the sun or, or putting a fire put out at sunset time, like baby, yeah, you know, you don't get to go and, and drink at a bar. That's not my bag of chips, but like, really is, is that what makes you who you are? Like use this time to be introspective and look at like how you live, you know, do you really need all these things that we throw extraneous money at, you know? when you're buttoning down the hatches, what, what have we kind of lost our, our humanity buying into? And, and maybe this is a chance not necessarily to, to freak out as much and, and, and just hate everybody for, because life isn't what you want. Maybe it's a time to be introspective and go, you know what? I should probably save a lot more than I do. Mm. Oh, you know what? Maybe I don't need to spend this much money. Yeah, and this is all stuff for my personal. I've got a hobby that I do. I paint. And sometimes I spend a little bit too much money painting on that hobby. Sometimes I buy a little bit too much film gear that I'm not really going to rent that much during the year. And is that really a wise decision in the long run? You know, introspective is more where I'll go with it. The psychosis is definitely more in my brain. Hopefully that answered your question a little bit. I think that's marvelous. You're one of the, basically, if not the only, you're definitely one of the few who have looked at this and said, okay, it ain't so bad. Uh, most of the time, and the reason I say it, because I'll, I'll say, we're living in a horror movie, and it goes, yeah, it's terrible because this, and this, this. But when you get down to it, yes, the, the death toll, which is which is awful on every level. Yeah, and in uh, no way am I saying that, that death is... Oh, good. certainly not, but but I the survivor mean, toll is that much higher, and no one no one touts that, no one prints no, that. No, yeah, no one, no one is looking at the fact that we're not just dying in droves. Everybody in my neighborhood is still alive. I know one person that's gotten coronavirus. I'm not saying that I have friends that know people that have passed away from coronavirus. And no way am I saying it's not dangerous. But freaking out about it and looking at it in that bad light isn't good for anybody. I mean, you're basically walking into the tool shed going, oh, here's all these sharp things. Let's hide from the bad guy right here where all these sharp things could kill us. Like, why, why go that way? Be smart about it. Figure out what's good about life. Be safe. But don't let yourself get down, you know? I've got friends doing podcasts. I, I told a buddy that he's a big DJ. Uh, that's his hobby on the side when he's not film working. I was like, man, throw on your favorite film. Start live DJing on Instagram with the film playing in the background and DJ your soundtrack to the film. Find something in life creative to do. Find things that you love that you're around. If you're with family, get to spend time. Yeah, you're going to go crazy being in a house with somebody for a month. But you know what? How much time did you get to spend with them the last year? Oh my! Where you gosh. actually got to get to know each other and do stuff like there's opportunities all around where you don't you're not going to lose. I mean, yeah, okay, it's a horror film, fine, zombie outbreak, coronavirus, whatever. Still, you grab the things that you love and you grab the people that you love and you try to find some joy in those spaces, and that's all you can ask for. I mean, we've got plenty of creative people coming up with great great horror films that we can watch to scare ourselves, great monsters to run from. There's plenty of that out there. 
find some love in this situation. Leave leave the leave the horror to the creative. Leave the horror to the movies and the books. Don't let it take over your life. That's oh, probably that's my, so my big takeout. Brilliant. That's so brilliant to say. I, I have to laugh, by the way. You bring up the wonderful point when you escape the monster, where do you run? Into the tool shed where there's enough axes and, and drills. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you always hear, you know, the, the eerie noise, and someone goes, hello, who's there? And they grab the blood-soaked doorknob to go into it. Uh, so it's, it's very funny that, that we, you know, we're living the life of the horror movie right now. Um, but, but you bring up the excellent point, uh, that maybe we really need to look, and what every horror movie has is a happy ending. And maybe we need well, to, well, I to mean, go most there. Of them, I'd say most of them have a happy, some of, some of the good ones don't, some of the good ones do. Well, even, you know, it, I think it ends, it ends darkly, but at least they survives. survive. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and at least there's, uh, a, an appreciation for life. If there is survivors, and those survivors hopefully appreciate the life afterwards, and maybe this is a good situation to help us to appreciate how great we actually have it here. I mean, we actually have a situation where we have an enormous amount of hospitals. You know, there was no hospital in that village I grew up in. There's wow. enormous amounts of places on this planet that the closest doctor is three hours away via car, if there's a car. You know, my, um, you know, I always tell stories from my background. My, my grandparents worked in Africa for like 40 years, and my dad grew up there. There was no doctor where they were. They had to get on a motorbike or in the van and drive hours upon hours to go see a doctor. You know, in Guatemala, someone going through an appendix, you know, having a burst appendix, you were pretty much slated for death. And like, I had a specific time where we had to throw a girl in a car and drive her to the city. Uh, you know, with my folks, because we were one of two people in the village that had a vehicle. And that's horror. That's that's scary. We've all got cars. Minus people that maybe live in New York that don't have to drive anywhere that they can take, you know, public transportation or walk. But, you know, be, appreciate what you got after this, you know, because it's not going to last forever. You know, even even if we take a huge hit, life continues. You know, maybe not everybody is going to get to continue. Maybe you lose somebody. But but take joy in the fact that you did have time with people and, and find a bright side of life outside of it. And and find that time now. Take yeah. that take that moment and speak to whomever and talk to them and hold their hand when you can and, and everything. Yeah. Wow. And, don't, and just do your research. Don't, don't drink some dish soap. Come on, people. Like, <laughs> leave, leave that to dumb people on TikTok chewing Tide Pods. Like, that's the real horror, in my opinion. It's like, the people that eat into that, it's like, come on. Like, use some, use some common sense. Like, you want to be popular on Twitter? Fine, whatever. Come on. Like, that's, that's just, oh, it just hurts. It hurts me in my soul. It, it reminds me, do you remember the old Bugs Bunny cartoons? Oh, yeah. There was one I mean, where... I watched them in Spanish originally, but I do oh remember goodness. them. There was one yeah. where Daffy Duck, in order to gain popularity during a vaudeville show, blows himself up on stage. And, and yeah. at the end, uh, they say, Daffy, that's wonderful. And as his, his spirit rises, he says, yeah, yeah, I know, but I can only do it once. And, and I, I have to laugh. Yeah, there's, there, there are people on there who are blowing themselves up just to be on TikTok. Yeah, and you know, it is what it is. You know, it's it, it was it's been interesting. You know, uh, Suburbanite was a fantastic experience to show me that I did have the capability, and that's what I hope people 
this is an opportunity for the writers out there to write. Yeah. Don't uh, don't spend your day in a haze worrying. Find a way to turn this into something creative. You know, I paint, I write. I'm considering, and this is part of like, I, I'm not a I'm not a big gamer, but I like paint. I paint miniatures for friends that do like Dungeons and Dragons and stuff. I enjoy painting, um, and so I kind of got into that a little bit. I've considered writing a. Um, I, I don't have any of the books, but I've considered buying some Dungeons and Dragons books and writing a Dungeons and Dragons horror story and playing it live on Instagram or recording it and then dressing up in crappy cosplay and basically writing a, an hour and a half long zombie apocalypse and playing it all by myself in my house here because I got no, nothing else to do, but at least I can entertain some people with something entertaining. Well, well feel you know? free to entertain me. When you do that, please send me that. <laughs> and, and please feel free to send me everything that you're doing. I think you're really brilliant, and, and you kind of blew it for me because I thought, okay, whenever I talk to someone who does a horror film, all right, they're going to they're gonna creep me out. But no, not at all. I'm, I'm sitting here looking up and going, it's a lovely day. So I, I, you're now you're now my 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 party conversation, and whenever I speak to people, I'm gonna say, you know, I spoke to this one horror movie guy who had the brightest outlook possible, and I I'm really impressed See, with that. That's 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 how it is, though. I mean, I, I've worked on a decent bit of horror films. I've worked on some that I wasn't a big fan of while I was working on them, but for me, it's a job a lot of times. Yeah, it, it, even with the movies here in Atlanta, it's a job. You know, you, you don't. You know, you work at a restaurant, whatever. Like, I've worked restaurants. I've worked manual labor construction. I've worked uh, teaching English as a second language, which I consider doing that, too. By the way, I, I went to Japan last year for Rugby World Cup. Oh, and wow. uh, met some people, and I've kept up with them. And I've considered, because I'm sitting at home, pardon me, I've considered trying to, like, teach English as a second language to, to some Japanese folk that I that I met over there that just want to talk. But, um, yeah, like, it, don't let it get you down. Wow. Like I know it, it sounds weird and I'm that's what I that's my job basically is all the guys I work with, they've been calling me every couple of days because I'm the guy that makes them laugh and makes a fool of myself and don't care. You know? You are obviously I don't have I don't have fear and scares. You are obviously there. succeeding because you just brightened my day. You confuse the hell out of me because I'm going, wait a minute, I'm talking to a horror movie guy, but nonetheless you right, you right. keep that attitude, man, and you're absolutely right. You know, we we can't sit and complain because we don't have Grubhub at the moment. We have to really appreciate the fact that we have food, that we have that we have people in our lives. Uh, Andrew, thank you, thank you. It's yeah. it's been a pleasure to speak to you. Glad to learn more about Suburbanite. I will I will definitely tell uh, the fans of Terror TV, and I'll tell everyone listening that they need to to tune into Terror TV and see that movie because it's. Uh, it's guaranteed to have a happy ending, considering who filmed it. But but nonetheless, I'm I'm not going to spoil anything. But you know, sometimes people got to learn a lesson, and things aren't happy. And sometimes skies are sunny, and clouds break out, and there's a uh, rainbow blueberry parts. I mean, well there you, you go. Know. Well there I, you go. In all truth, anytime you want to chat, send me an email. I I love talking to people. Um, I do I do pro bono work with uh, with uh, kids that don't have. Uh, a home. Uh, wow. I've done stuff like that here in Atlanta. Uh, I love, I've taught at a couple of uh, universities. I've been invited up to a couple different ones to to do a couple classes here. And they're usually pro bono because uh, I meet people. And um, I love teaching people about filmmaking. I primarily, obviously, I've done one film of my own. 
that's the only disappointment I've had out of this whole thing is that uh, this was the year I have I have another horror film that I was considering doing, um, and uh, a buddy of mine that's out in L.A. doing a lot of writing was willing to uh, to, to look at and work on it, and then I was going to send it out in, in about May, around my birthday time, to some of the producers that I've developed relationships with, because I'm looking for funding, obviously. We always are. Um, Suburbanite was a pretty... That was a pretty low-ball situation, and this next one, I'd like to beef it up a little. I'm not looking for $20 million, you know. I'm well, not, I well don't then, have... Then that's what you but, need uh, to send me. Send me all the info know? on what you want to do, and I'll make sure I send this out to people who, who will listen. Cause I, I appreciate it. I, you know, think, I didn't know what to do next. I, I think and a nice guy like you, we, they need to hear it. Uh, I appreciate uh, it. Thank you we'll so see. much. We'll see how it goes. If not, I'll keep lighting movies. It doesn't hurt my feelings. I'm, I'm hearing you on that. Oh, what, what's the worst thing you're going to do? You're going to do another Marvel movie? Yeah, all right. I pity you. No, nah, actually, actually, my boss turned down the two TV shows, the uh, WandaVision and the Loki one. Oh, oh we, so, uh, so you're only doing two TV shows? No, no, my boss turned those down. Oh. We were doing an action movie with The Rock and Ryan Reynolds. I, and, and it sounds super special. I move lights and get power to people to plug in their phones. So it's like, it's a day job, but I still get to watch these people do their thing. I still get to see the explosions. I love that stuff. I'm hoping, uh, you know, a couple weeks goes by and we can get back to work because we all love our entertainment. We, we need it. Well, if someone called me and said, you're welcome to do a movie, a Marvel movie, where all you have to do is, is plug in phones and stare at them doing it, I, I think I'll suffer through that. Andrew, thank you so much. Uh, pleasure speaking to you. And, and I look forward to many more chats in the future. Please, anytime, even if I don't have something, if you want to talk about a movie, I love this stuff. I do it all Gladly. the time with people on Instagram. So. Gladly. Thanks, Take pal. Care,